Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Montreal's best, not quite good enough. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast Justin Cuthbert with you after the Tampa Bay Lightning's 3-1 victory over the Montreal Canadiens in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final, which awarded them the defending champions, a 2-0 series lead. Still, aside from Andre Vasilevsky, who made 42 saves and remains simply incredible in the Lightning net and was really the story in this one, this was all about what Montreal did. They made serious progress in the series, dominating for large stretches of the game, shutting down Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, making them look a little bit more human and really deserving a better result than they got. But they also made self-sabotaging, damaging, and unforgivable mistakes. It needs to be squeaky clean against a team as good as Tampa, and it wasn't. On one goal, they basically created the screen in front of Carey Price for Anthony Sorelli, who scored from the point. On the next goal, the the defensive triumvirate that has been so crucial to this point for Montreal with Phil Deneau and Ben Sherrod and Shea Weber, well, they collapsed just all of a sudden at the end of a period, allowing Blake Coleman to score a buzzer beater. And on the insurance goal, well, Joel Edmondson just put it on a silver platter for Andre Palat. Those three goals were the result of three mistakes from Montreal, directly causing goals. A lot of what this game is all about is what Montreal did. And what they did was make more mistakes than they can convert on the many opportunities they created towards goal. But for Montreal, if there was one thing they did not have an answer for, it was the Tampa Bay third line. A third line which has been as influential as any line really in this series. In Game 1, they served as the wrench that was thrown into the line-matching plans that Luke Richardson and Dominique Ducharme had for Montreal. Their ability, that line of Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barclay Goodrow, their ability to go head-to-head versus Phil Deneau in that number one line for the Montreal Canadiens really threw Montreal out of its rhythm, it seemed. And in this game, that line... Uh, produced the moment that really turned the game into Tampa Bay's favor. I mentioned the collapse of the three most important defensive-minded players on the Montreal Canadiens. It happened at the end of the second period, and it looked like a harmless situation. And perhaps that's why they took their foot off the gas pedal. But it was just neutralized, a dump in. But instead, Blake Coleman decided to take a little bit of a run at Phil Deneau and forced him to give up the puck. 
And then as the puck was moved back up ice and onto the stick of Barclay Goodrow, Ben Sherratt made a poor play to gap up so soon and missed. And Barclay Goodrow put a pass on a two-on-one into the area that Blake Coleman could dive into, and he shoveled it home with under one second remaining in a second period to make it 2-1 in a second period in which Montreal absolutely dominated. It was the best period from the Canadians in the series. It was maybe the most dominant period of the entire series so far. Maybe Tampa had a better one in there in game one, but still, Montreal was all that full value in the second period. They had 16-7 to shot advantage. They had 75% possession, and they had all the momentum at that point until... Coleman scored with under one second left. Think about what that did for the complexion of that game. I mean, Montreal has been a very confident side and, you know, since they upset the Toronto Maple Leafs in, game, in Series 1, or Round 1, rather. But perhaps they didn't know until Period 2 that they were in this series, that they could be in this series. And then they dominated that period, and they should have had a lead. And they should have been going into intermission thinking... We got these guys exactly where we want them. They are on the ropes, and we are going to come out and get that goal to put us ahead in period number three. But instead, all those plans were wasted, or all that momentum and all that progress was wasted because they gave up that late goal to Coleman and that Tampa third line. In the entire playoffs, that third line, again, Gord, Coleman, Goudreau, they have 20 points combined. It's not spectacular, but it serves the purpose of not deep secondary scoring, but, you know, half the secondary scoring equation. It's pretty good, 20 points, one per game. They've played 20 so far. But I don't think it's a coincidence that since their installation beneath the ultra-talented top six that Tampa does have, that they haven't lost a series yet. John Cooper's team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, have not lost a series since Julian Breesbaugh, went out and spent a first-round pick on Goudreau and a first-round pick on Coleman to surround Yanni Gord and create a dominant utility line, an elite utility line that can do things that most utility lines cannot do. I think they are as much a reason for the success as pretty much anyone, not named Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky. They have been so crucial to the success of this team, and they were once again in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. It's possible that uh, that third line sees a little bit of Nick Suzuki in Games 3 and 4, not just because Montreal will have last change as the series shifts to their home city, to Montreal, um, but because they might have to shut down Nick Suzuki the Tampa Bay Lightning, that is. Um, the very important Montreal center got into the Stanley Cup final with a brilliant performance in game two. He was probably the best player on the ice from either team. Uh, he scored the goal for Montreal, but the goal was like the least impressive thing that he did in the game because it was more of a fluke goal that should have never gone in and really should have been just an intercepted pass that was cleared the rest of the ice or the the length of the ice, rather, uh, on a power play for Montreal. But at one point, Suzuki had just as many shots as the Lightning did with eight apiece, and that was obviously early in the game. 
but he finished with game highs in shots. He finished with nine and scoring chances and high danger looks. He was better in the faceoff dot, but most importantly, doing all this did not. It, it didn't mean they, the Montreal Canadiens were involved into a tra- in a track meet when Nick Suzuki was on the ice. He stopped with his line and I guess with the help of his defenseman. The downhill running so far in the series and in these playoffs from Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. He was as good defensively as he was offensively, and he was by far the best offensive player in the game. Nick Suzuki found his way in the Stanley Cup Final in Game 2, and that is a major, major deal for the Montreal Canadiens because, as I've said a few times, because we have Julian McKenzie on, on a lot, and he's covering the Habs for the Athletics, so we dive into Montreal quite a bit. And we've sort of agreed that Nick Suzuki is the most important player for this team in many ways because if he hits his ceiling, it's like the team can function properly. He's got such responsibility with the way that their uh, their roster is orchestrated, the way Bergevin has set things up for this team and the coaching staff, obviously. So if he hits his 90% game, if he's got his A game, Montreal's got a really good chance to be the better team that night. But if he can't quite do that, and there's been many nights where he hasn't been able to, he's still a young player finding his way in the NHL. But when he can't, it just seems like everything's a little off for Montreal. And it's probably no surprise that his best game helped create Montreal's best game in this series. Again, it didn't create a victory, but it is progress in something huge to build on. Nick Suzuki getting his way into this series in a big, big way. The only player, though, that was had more of an impact on this game, I, I guess, and it's been this way, we forget about him because of how brilliant he is every night, was Andre Vasilevsky, the Lightning goaltender. Aside from the Suzuki goal, which, as I mentioned, was pretty soft, he was perfect. And he's pretty much been perfect in this series so far, and he's pretty much been as perfect as, as a goaltender can get on the path to a Stanley Cup final appearance. He stopped 60 of 62 shots in this series. He's allowed one or fewer goals in 10 of the 20 starts he's had so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Cassie Campbell brought up a good point on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. She said that he might have felt snubbed that he didn't win the Vesna last night. And I kind of at least sympathize with him because I think he should have won the Vesna. I love Marc-Andre Fleury and he had an amazing year, but that felt like an aleg- a legacy pick 17th season without a Vesna and playing as well as he did with all the context of the, you know, Alan Walsh tweet and the Robin Leonard stuff and the trade discussions, all of that, that felt like a narrative play because Andre Vasilevsky was the best goaltender in the NHL this season and has been up until this point in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But when she said that, I thought, okay, so what happens if he gets snubbed for the Conn Smythe? Because there's a really good chance Tampa wins the Stanley Cup, obviously. And there's a really good chance that either Braden Point or Nikita Kucherov win most valuable player honors for this run to the Stanley Cup with Braden Point scoring in nine straight games, with Nikita Kucherov hitting 30 points for the second time in as many postseason runs. The only other players to do that, Gretzky and Lemieux. There are so many good choices. There are too many good choices for the Conn Smythe. Vasilevsky is certainly one of them. And hey, maybe he is the front runner now based on how he's played. But what happens if he doesn't win the Conn Smythe? Does he come back and just, you know, tear the world or tear the world up, light the world on fire? Whatever metaphor you want to use. Either way, it can't hold a candle 
to what Andre Vasilevsky is doing. Uh, what a brilliant goaltender. And if there's any doubt who's getting the best of the goaltending situation through two games, well, there isn't. It's Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, looking forward, Montreal obviously has to get some results as the series shifts back to Montreal. Um, and we're going to get to see some of the Canadians' ideas, right? They're going to come to the fore here, not only because Dominique Ducharme is back or will be back from his COVID-19 absence, um, but because Montreal now has the last change. That probably means we see the matchup everyone was expecting and bracing for with Montreal's super defensive center, Phil Deneau, going against the Tampa Bay Lightning's top center, Braden Point. Uh, there's been bas- basically no overlap between the two, even though it seemed like Luke Richardson was determined to make that happen with a work harder, not smarter approach to start the game. But maybe he noticed that Nick Suzuki was playing so well and he didn't force the issue anymore trying to get Deneau out there on the ice. But anyway, Montreal gets to do what it wants to do in games three and four, and that probably means Deneau versus Point. So then what happens with Suzuki? I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see who Montreal tries to target with Suzuki and Cole Caulfield in games three and four with last change. Uh, they've had some success against the Gord line, who I've I've hyped up so much on this podcast already. But I think for me, and I think it will be, the Stamkos and Sorelli line that Suzuki will be, or they'll try to get Suzuki out there against. It's something we've barely seen in the playoffs so far or in these two games so far, and that's probably because John Cooper doesn't want it that way, with last change, of course. And that might mean that the Montreal Canadiens look to try and see what that, you know, how that would look. And it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, you know, at some point, Montreal's best players are going to have to beat some of the best players for Tampa Bay. And Steven Samko is still a brilliant player. And Anthony Sorelli is thought of as one of the best number two centers in the league. But at some point, you got to beat fire with fire. And instead of going up against Point and Kucherov, I think you'd want to get Suzuki to try and win those ma- a matchup against a second line that has lost Alex Kalor. Now they have Tyler Johnson who comes up, and he's no slouch. Of course, he's you know less of a big name now, but still a player that can do a job and continues to do a job for John Cooper. But without Kalor there, maybe the window's open. And maybe that's the way they get back in the series. And maybe that's the way they get Cole Caulfield going. Because as much as you want to get Suzuki in a position to succeed, you need to get Cole Caulfield started in this series. The dynamic winger for Montreal just has not had the same impact through two games versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Also with last change, it might mean we see a little bit more of Corey Perry and Joel Armia and Eric Stahl. I mean, Kalorn's loss not only potentially leaves them vulnerable in the second line, a touch, but leaves them more vulnerable in the fourth line because Tyler Johnson had to move up and we had Matthew Joseph playing uh, in game two and it, you know, it wasn't, it didn't really turn out to be anything, but I think Corey Perry's been so, so good, especially in Montreal and same with Eric Stahl and Yoel Armia, that uh, maybe they try and get them a few more minutes to try and take advantage of what has been a weakened fourth line for Tampa Bay with now Maroon and Ross Colton playing with Matthew Joseph. So maybe those are the two advantages Montreal can make, or it can engineer, can manufacture, however you want to put it. And then maybe Phil Deneau can do what he's been doing all postseason long, and that's shutting down the best players on the opposition. And suddenly, maybe Montreal has swung those advantages a little bit. 
It's all it's been about since the very start of the playoffs for Montreal. Finding out what their advantages could be and then acting on them. They haven't been down two nothing in any series so far, but they've been behind to start. They haven't been the better team to start in at least against Toronto and Vegas, but they found their way. And maybe these are the steps slowly and surely where they can find their way and they can start winning more matchups than they are losing. It's going to have to be if Montreal is going to get back in this series and win it. I'll tell you what, if they do get a four on three at home in game three, we better see Cole Caulfield on it. If there was one moment that was highly, highly questionable on the part of Luke Richardson, it was the fact that Cole Caulfield did not play or did not see the start of a four-on-three power play with the game tied and the need to get that first goal clear and obvious from a Montreal perspective. Instead, they went with two forwards and two defensemen, those two defensemen being Eric Gustafson and Shea Weber, you know, two guys that play on the power play, but never together. And then Nick Suzuki and Tyler Toffoli, which is, you know, probably two players that you'd have out there anyway. But not having Cole Caulfield in open space when clearly he's been dying to create some open space for himself or have that open space created for him, that didn't make too much sense. So four on four on three in the future, Montreal, let's get Cole Caulfield on the ice. But it won't matter anything in games three and four if Carey Price does not meet Andre Vasilevsky at the level that Vasilevsky's at right now. Uh, this was advertised as the two best goaltenders in the world going head-to-head. One of them has filled or fulfilled that, um, you know, that, that expectation that was put forth, that one being Andre Vasilevsky. Well, Carey Price has not quite been at that level. He's been fine. He hasn't lost the games for Montreal, but Montreal has lost the games because they cannot solve Andre Vasilevsky. There is no question who the better goaltender has been through two games. And for Montreal to complete this puzzle, to get back into the series, to find some footing. They need Carey Price to be at least on the same level as Andre Vasilevsky. Unfortunately, Game 3 will not be bolstered by a half-capacity building or really too many more fans than there were the last time the Canadians hosted a playoff game, which was, of course, in Game 6 last round. Uh, The Canadians were denied the request from the government to have uh, more fans in the building. I think they were going for about 10,000. So instead, it'll be a super spreader event outside, potentially for those who are not vaccinated, instead of the controlled setting of inside the arena. But I digress. Uh, a little bit unfortunate, because clearly that's an advantage for Tampa Bay that Montreal is not going to be able to create for themselves. Um, but uh, the people in Montreal are going to enjoy it regardless. The game goes Friday. And then because the NHL does not want to compete with the July 4th weekend, we will not see game four until Monday. So it'll be an extra long weekend for the Stanley Cup finalists in Montreal. Uh, But we were going to, you know, we're going to get a uh, result on Friday for them to stew about in their hotel rooms and in their homes uh, for Saturday and Sunday through the weekend before game four on Monday. Uh, We will be back Friday night to discuss game three. We'll see if Montreal can get the result that they need to make this a series because if it does get to 3 nothing, we don't really have to say it. It's obviously a must win in game four, but really it's probably curtains at that point because Tampa Bay is as seasoned as it gets and is probably not going to lose four straight games 
Andre Vasilevsky doesn't lose two straight games. That's been proven. So that would be, uh, it's probably compulsory that Montreal gets game three. So we will break down that performance on Friday when it happens before digging in a little more and maybe seeing the end of it by early next week. But we won't get too far down the line because Montreal did make some serious progress in game two, but Tampa Bay got the win regardless. Game five, Friday, we will talk about it then. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.